Are you tired of scrubbing your bathroom clean? I am. Transform your bathroom cleaning with wet and forget weekly shower cleaner. Just spray today and rinse tomorrow for a no scrub clean. With over 33,000 five-star reviews, it's your once a week solution to keeping your tub and shower surfaces sparkling clean. Available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. Join thousands who have switched to an easier clean. Get Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner today and make your bathroom sparkle with zero scrubbing. I have to wear a lot of makeup for my day job, but when I'm off camera, I'm all about ease and simplicity. Thrive Cosmetics has a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look. One of my go-tos is their brilliant eye brightener. It's ridiculously easy to put on and it gives my eyes the little perfect pop in seconds. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash off-camera. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash off-camera for 10% off your first order. You, you've got to make your case against the guy who's in front. Mm-hmm. Or else you're going to be behind that person the entire time. That's right. And I have no interest in coming in second here. I, I want to win. Somebody going to cue me or do I cue myself? Cue yourself. Okay. Everyone, we are back with another episode of Let's Talk Off Camera. So let's get talking. Woo-hoo! Get ready to get smarter. Get ready to be uh, informed. I know this man, and I'm proud that he's here on our podcast. He's the former federal prosecutor who served as the governor of New Jersey, the great, the greatest state on earth, Jan Chalet. <laughs> From I 2010 to 2018, he's an author, he's a husband, he's a father, he's a huge Springsteen fan. You know that. <laughs> oh, and did I fail to mention, he's also a candidate for president of the United States. Wow. On this here humble <laughs> podcast, okay? Wow. wow. Please welcome... Former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie. All right. Thank you, Kelly. Great to be here. Governor Christie, full disclosure, we know each other a little bit. (laughs) We do. We actually hobnobbed in the Bahamas together once, as I recall. We did. We We did. did. One of the highlights of my life. Mine too. And and I believe the Eagles won the Super Bowl, as a matter of fact, that very weekend. Now, was that painful for you or were you okay with that? I was okay with it. Like once the Cowboys are out, mm-hmm. like I all my pain is reserved for that. And then I don't really hate anybody else. I just right. love the Cowboys. So okay. I was fine with it. And it made a number of my friends who are big Eagles fans very happy. So that's right. We were happy for them. Good answer. That is a very and they beat the Patriots too, which made Correct. it sweeter. It's still okay to hate the Patriots, isn't that? Right. Well, yes, and to hate Bill Belichick in particular. Yes, <laughs> of course. And are yeah. you following all of this Taylor Swift NFL? Uh, oh. Travis Kelsey Kelsey Kelsey. I keep calling him Kalice because <laughs> everybody's Italian in my the mind. Drama. Yes. yes. Are you following that drama? I I am because I have two daughters, so I have to follow all Taylor Swift, or else I become an even less cool father. <laughs> Governor, are you a Swifty? I am not. I can't qualify for Swifty okay. status. I just paid for them to be Swifties. Yeah. So, yeah. I understand. That's that's I my job. I keep getting them tickets to these shows. That's, that's expensive. Right. Okay. That is a very expensive. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, are you filing your tax returns? Because I hear that uh, uh, Taylor Swift 
ticket holders have to file a special tax return <laughs> if they resell their tickets and oh, make a profit. Wow. wow. Yeah. No, no. I'm one of the people who created profit for the reason. <laughs> Got, Got it. I like it. Okay, yeah. here's my shirt. Ready? I yeah. want to know how many times have you been oh. to Action Park as a kid growing up? Oh, my gosh. At least two dozen times. Yeah. Wow. At least, right. Correct. Oh, I yeah. was trying to explain to my kids when we watched the documentary. I don't know if you saw it. Class I Action did. Park. Yeah. My kids were like, is it really that bad? And I go, oh, it was much worse. This, this, <laughs> it was. Yeah. Yeah. It and, was. And, it, and the characters that we used to see there too, Kelly, were quite something. Of course. I mean, do, I, and I remember my, I think we got a block of tickets as, from our church, part of the church. And I think it was like $5 for an entire summer pass. And when my uh, friend Scotty Silber and I said to our parents, but it's dangerous and everybody there seems Deadly, my parents said we paid five dollars for those tickets. You get, you get yourself on that you bus, get, and you, you get your end on that bus, and you get up there and have fun. Exactly, <laughs> I spent five dollars, and you better, you better get on that bus. My my mother used to drive my brother and I up there and drop us off, like just the two of us, and we were young, and just drop us off, and she'd come back at like six o'clock at night, like all right. Be out front at six. Great. Don't you feel like because we were part of the great, like, sort of unsupervised generation that we are way more resilient? Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally more resilient. And, like, are used to failure and loss and all that stuff and knowing that it's all temporary, right? Yeah. You know, kids now, and now I really sound old. No, well, kids now, like, they're, everybody gets a trophy, Kelly. We are a very anti-participation trophy. Family. Yeah, we hate it. My, my parents don't. My parents don't understand that I did not, um, you know, discipline my children the way I was disciplined, and I had to explain to them I would have my children taken away. That's right. My my mother used to say, "If it was good enough for you, it's good enough for them." I'm like, "Yeah, well, exactly." We'll take a pass on that. Okay, so let's get in. Let's get into you now. Um, I, I read that you were really, really close with your grandmother. I lived in a house with my parents and my grandparents and my great grandmother. So I know about generational living and what that is like. Um, tell me about your relationship with your grandmother. My grandmother, um, this is my mom's mom, uh, who we called nanny. And she, um, she was an amazing woman, Kelly. She divorced my grandfather. Oh, my gosh. In 1941. What? Because he was having an affair on her. And she found out. Now, you know, back in those days, an an Italian wife. Yes. The husband was like, that was he had a he had a regular hall pass. Right. That's right. Do whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. Not with my grandmother. She booted him out. (laughs) And back in those days, like no child support. Right. He basically said, you boot me out. You take care of everything on your own. Right. And so I had this amazing grandmother who used to, she went and got a job at the Internal Revenue Service. She'd take three buses from Newark to Bloomfield to go and work every day and come home at night and take care of her three children. So I used to go to her apartment in West Orange often on the weekends. And what it would entail would be I would have to bring a book that I would read mm-hmm. with her. And she would have a book as well. And we'd read. I got to watch one college football game, just one. Okay. On a Saturday. Sunday morning, we went to church. We had to walk to church Mm -hmm. and walk back. And when we got back, we'd go to 8 o'clock mass. 
so that we could watch Meet the Press together. Oh, my gosh. Incredible. (laughs) She was the person who got me interested in politics. Nobody else in my family interested in it, cared about it, involved in it in any way. And it was my grandmother. And by the way, unlike most Italian women, a truly horrific cook. It happens. It happens. I'm not going to say where I inherited my lack of cooking skills from, but (laughs) let's just say my dad only gains weight when he goes to work. That's why he hasn't retired yet. (laughs) That's great. Yes. Well, that sounds like that's the way my grandmother was. So it was not, it was not incredibly inviting to go down there for the meals, but she was just a fun and fascinating person. She passed away right before I became U.S. attorney in 2001. Oh, I'm sorry. She didn't we, see it. She didn't see it. But it was interesting. We I went to her apartment to help my mom kind of straighten up her belongings. We went into her closet. She had, it had to be 10 shoe boxes filled with letters that she had gotten from her members of Congress who had represented her. Every time she was upset about something, she'd write them a letter about it and they would write her back. And she had it was eight to 10 shoeboxes full of these letters that none of us ever knew about. Incredible. So she's where you got your backbone. Yep. She's where you got your uh, sense of right versus wrong. And she's where you got your activism from. Totally. Yep. She's, really she's the one. And she's she's a pretty incredible lady. She lived until she was 92 years old. So she had a great life. Never remarried. I don't um, blame her. And, <laughs> that's probably why she lived to 92. That probably is. She didn't have to take worry about, you know, carrying some albatross around her neck for most <laughs> exactly, of her life. Yeah. So she was just a, a, a real Renaissance woman in so many ways. And, and also, as you might imagine, took no guff. And, yeah. you know, the, the best story I could tell about my grandmother, about what she was like, was when we would go to church. She would say to me, you know, if there's something that you're troubled by, you're having a problem with, go and light a candle. I'll give you a dollar and pray to God um, for guidance on how to deal with your problem. Mm. So I don't remember what the particular problem this week was, Kelly, but I went and prayed about a problem and I didn't feel like I got any, any answers from God. So the next week we were walking to church and she said to me, do you want a dollar to light a candle? I said, no, because it doesn't work. I was 10 years old. Yeah, right. I said, it doesn't work. And she goes, what do you mean it doesn't work? I said, I prayed like you told me to, Nan. And God didn't answer my prayers. And she stopped me. We were walking down the street. She grabbed my arm and stopped me. She goes, I want you to understand something. God answers every one of your prayers. Sometimes the answer is no. Let me write that down. Write that down for me. That's a good that one. A, a genius. You line. know, it's it's a, there's this really interesting meme that your uh, drag name, your drag name, <laughs> is your grandmother's name, so Nani, and the last dessert you ate. Do you recall the last dessert you ate? <laughs> your blueberry cobbler. Nanny Blueberry Cobbler. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. I think that's a terrible drag name. Why? <laughs> because it could just that, be Cobbler, Nanny Cobbler. Just co- Nanny Cobbler. That's good. <laughs> right. That's better. Nanny Cobbler. You can take away the blueberry. That's probably Nanny better. Cobbler. Nanny okay. B. Cobbler. Give it to Nanny me. Nanny B. Cobbler. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what do you think that she would think of you running for president? What would she say to you right now? Oh, man. She would be thrilled mm-hmm. and she would be 
giving me advice regularly. Like she'd mm -hmm. be on the phone calling me and she'd be critiquing my town hall meetings or mm -hmm. she would critique this podcast. She would take notes and she would then call, get me on the phone and read from her notes. Yes. <laughs> she was a very detailed woman. So I think she would have been thrilled. Um, and she also was very thick skinned. Mm. So I think all the stuff that would happen would have rolled off her back. My mother, on the other hand, who passed away 19 years ago mm. um she she was very thin-skinned and i'm i'm actually as much as i miss her and You're wish relieved. she were here yes i'm relieved she yes. would not be dealing with all this very well well because because as parents you know this you can say whatever you want about us the parents but if you say a word about my children i yeah. will come after you i will <laughs> seek you out and try to my best to harm you. Yes. God forgive me, Nani, yes. I, if you're listening. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I think that's perfectly permissible. And yes. in fact, it's, it's an asset, not a liability. But yeah, my mother, when I, when I was U.S. attorney, my mother was alive for a little of the time, a couple of years when I was U.S. attorney. And there was some story in the paper that she didn't like. And she called me. She said, did you see this story in the Star Ledger? And I said, I did. And she said to me, well, listen to this. I said, is that a letter to the editor? And she said, yep, I'm writing a letter to the editor. I said, no, 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 no. I said, I'm the youngest U.S. attorney in the country. I was 40 years old. Right. I said, if my mommy mother. starts writing letters to the newspaper, <laughs> this is no. not going to help my career. So no. she says to me, wait a second. She said, just because you took some, and this was her word, highfalutin job. Mm, highfalutin job, <laughs> Highfalutin yes. job. Does that mean I gave away my First Amendment rights? And I said, in fact, yes, it yes, does. Yes, yes, it does. In this instance, yes. I beg of you. Yes. First Amendment suspended for you writing I, uh, as my mommy to the newspaper. Yes. I, I admire that. I would have taken that same. Uh, you you can't have that. You can't, you can't have, have your that. parents fighting your battles. Yes. My dad routinely has his head pop off of his body. And I'm like, Dad, <laughs> calm down. It's OK. Don't it's like don't don't give it any time. Yes. You know? I can only imagine. Yes. The, the moments he has had of course he's had many so okay you're running for president you tried it in 2016 you were the man that broke marco rubio literally broke him beyond repair in front of all of us yes and i still yes. have this fantasy in my mind now go with me marco rubio was starting to gain ground on then candidate donald trump he was gaining ground. Now, I suspect that you knew that you could break Marco Rubio whenever you wanted. <laughs> Do you feel like you broke him too soon, too early? Well, it wasn't too early for me because the New Hampshire election was like in four days. Right. So okay. it was make or break for me. I got so, it. So you, you broke know, him I when had you to, had to break him. You know, I busted him up when I had to bust him up, Kelly. I That's got the it. way I it understand. Do you think and, he'll ever recover? Because I don't, I, don't, I don't think he will. Well, I don't know that he'll ever run for president again, but right. you know, he's still in the United States Senate. For him, that's not a bad gig. Yeah. Well, I mean, I yeah. We wouldn't want to be in the United States Senate, but no, I I don't have no. the patience for any of it. No, and one of a hundred, please. Not one of a hundred, but I'd, I don't... I'd I'd rather jump off the building. I know. But honestly, though, it seems like running for president of the United States is like the most miserable job. Why? Why are you doing this to yourself? And then I want to get your uh, Mary Pat's take and the kids take. So sure. start with why. 
because I, I'm really scared about where our country is right now, and I had no intention of doing this again. And about a year ago, as I started to see the field come together and Donald Trump running again, and, you know, Mary Pat and I both started to talk about the fact that it didn't look like anybody was going to take him on directly and make the case against him. And I'm a prosecutor, and I know how to make the case against people, and I felt like I, I was called to do it. Um, and I don't mean called by God. I meant, I mean, called by what I know my skills and abilities are and, and my love for my country. And, and by the way, I've always wanted to be president. Um, you know, I ran the first time cause I wanted to be so, um, you know, you want to be president and you feel like it's, there's a moment here where you have to say something that's really important to the country. And so that's why I decided to do it. What do your kids think? Split decision among yeah. the children. Right. We have two boys and two girls, mm. um, 30, 27, 23, and 20. So the boys are 30 and 23. Mm -hmm. The oldest boy is completely into it, thinks it's great. Um, my 23-year-old son, who just graduated from college back in the spring, also very excited about it, thinks it's a great idea. My 27-year-old daughter, who lives in Chicago, uh, much less enthused about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. She's she's like you're saying all these things about Trump. Trump has all these rabid supporters. Mm -hmm. I'm worried someone's going to try to hurt you. Mm -hmm. So that's her her worry is that someone will try to physically harm me because of the things that I'm saying. Much different. My 20 year old daughter, who's a junior at Notre Dame, um, she's like, let me ask you a question. If you start to do really well, do you get Secret Service? And I said, yes. And she goes, does that mean I have to have it? And I said, yes. And she said, well, I, I don't want this then. I, I, I'm in college and I don't need to have Secret Service agents follow me around. So very committed to her nation and called to a higher calling. I think that higher calling is fake ID to get into a bar. Right, exactly. She doesn't need followers. the Secret Service interfering with the fake ID stuff. I know no, how important that is. I have three kids. And, yeah, I mean, right? Yeah. So you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So it's a, yeah. it's a, now none of them told me don't do it, mm -hmm. but the girls were a bit reluctant. Um, the boys were kind of gung-ho about it. So, you know, when I watch the television punditry, I watch everything. I like to cover my bases. I like to be in the know. The smart people in politics really, really believe that you are the most appealing Republican candidate. And I... Um, I also, not just because you're from New Jersey, but I also think that you are probably the only person that could um, take Trump on and actually get your points across. Because he likes to, I always say, he likes to speak the way my daughter likes to text. Rapid fire, you yep. know, bullet points, almost like a, like a real housewife. I don't know if you've ever seen The Real Housewives. Yes. It's, yep. it's like one big confessional. And I feel like you know how to take that on because, again, you're from New Jersey. It's kind of how we speak. It's We have a shorthand and we're not afraid to get in the mix if we have to. Do yep. you think that he's afraid to debate you? Yes. And Absolutely. do you think you're the sole reason he's not showing up for these debates? I think there's two reasons. I think one, his legal problems. Mm -hmm. I think his lawyers are telling him all the time, please keep quiet. Mm -hmm. You're just making matters worse. And then it's me being on the stage. There's nobody else on that stage he's worried about or concerned about. Mm -hmm. And and by the way, it's not just because of my of of 
of, you know, what I did to Marco Rubio. You know, I helped prepare him for the debates in 2016. I played Hillary Clinton. And in 2020, I took a sedative and I played Joe Biden. And, it, it, you know, we, oh you know, he even sedated. I was beating him up pretty good. So he's seen it um, and knows it personally. And he doesn't want any any piece of me. So he knows that you know how his brain operates. Yes, I do know how the brain operates. Yes. And I know how he makes his arguments. Uh-huh. And um, there was one time we had a back and forth during debate prep in 2020 where I whacked him pretty good. And he turned to Hope Hicks, who was one of his communications people, and said, hey, Hope, how lucky are we were not debating Chris? Mm-hmm. Because if we were debating Chris, we'd be in trouble. But, you know, look, that's why I think he's definitely afraid. Kelly, he's a coward. It is like any of these bullies, right? They're They're all tough until someone comes out there and is willing to put their hands up and say, all right, let's go. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they've got a million excuses. You know, with him, I think it was bad heels. Well, heel spurs, wasn't it? He, he had That's why spurs. he missed the army. Yes. The- yeah, he missed Vietnam because mm-hmm. of the heel spurs. Mm-hmm. The media hasn't learned its lesson in the way they cover Trump, I don't think. And I and I feel like the media has a lot to do with how uh, politicians are elected. And they ha- they are loathe to learn from the lessons of covering Trump like he's a normal political figure. Um, And do you find it, though, frustrating that you have this relatively low support within the Republican Party? Or do you think it's just a matter of chipping away and once the dam cracks, it will all flow? I think it's patience and persistence on this Mm -hmm. because of the dynamic you just talked about. I think you read it perfectly right the media props him up um they give him the attention he craves and and that attention is the oxygen that allows him to keep a lot of these folks in his corner um if they really thought if they acted and covered him um in a way that you would act and cover someone who's as irresponsible uh as he is and as they believe he is uh, i think he'd be in in much worse political shape than he is right now But I kind of analogize it to this. He's like a building that has a a good looking facade, but it's rotted all on the inside. Mm -hmm. And all you have to do is break through that facade once, which is what I intend to do in New Hampshire. And if you break that facade once, I think the whole building's going to collapse because I think there's a lot of people who support him because they think he's inevitable. But once they know he's not inevitable, then they'll feel free to go somewhere else. Why do you think like. I think it was the first Republican debate where you were asked a question about aliens. Yeah. And and I thought to myself, is this what's on the American voters' minds? Don't get me wrong. I like outer space as much as the next person, but <laughs> it is not top of mind. No. And then I watched the second debate and it was like a, a shouting storm and, and a lot of people just sort of talking over one another the entire time. But why weren't there any questions asked about Donald Trump and his, I've lost count of the indictments, 91, 91 yep. felony counts or something? Why Correct. wasn't anybody bringing up the fact that he sort of casually put out there that Mark Milley should somehow uh, be uh, executed? Executed, yes. For Ex- treason. For treason. <laughs> like, why weren't those the top debate questions? I was stunned that they were that they didn't ask about Mark Milley. Mm-hmm. Stunned. Um, and look, you know, I think they think they're doing a good thing 
by not asking about Trump. And I think it's exactly the wrong thing to do. The first debate, there was one question about Trump. And I think it was the most enlightening moment of the entire debate when they asked, raise your hand if you'll support him, even if he's convicted of felonies. And six people on that stage raised their hands and I didn't. And I, I you remember, I got booed. Yeah, I know. Not raising I, my hands. Let me tell you, something. I know where I was standing. I was standing in my bathroom. Mark and I had to go out. We were, yes, we watch TV in the bathroom. That's where <laughs> the TV is. And we were standing in front of the television watching this. And we both said, Chris Christie didn't put his hand up. You know, nope. it was like, of course you didn't. But what what is it? Is it fear-based? What is it? I think for some of them, they're afraid of him. Mm-hmm. And I think for some of them, they're running believing that Trump will either legally or physically get knocked out of the race. Mm-hmm. And that then if they haven't said anything bad about him, that they think they can inherit then his supporters. Um, I think that's not a way to run for president. Like, you got to run to beat somebody. And hoping he goes to jail or hoping he keels over, um, you know, is is not a strategy. And so I think some of them are trying to play that game of saying, let me be your second choice just in think, case things go sideways for Trump. And some of them are just flat out afraid of taking him on because they feel like it'll hurt them. And look, when I take him on, it hurts me with some people. But you know who it hurts me with, Kelly? The people who are already voting for him anyway. I feel like they're not going to vote for anybody but him. So if he's not in it, they're not voting. So they're courting a potential voting base that I think would be reluctant to vote for anybody else. I think with some of them, you know, the likelihood of them voting for someone else is is vastly diminished. Um, and, and the only thing that would motivate them was that they just disliked Joe Biden so much that that might motivate them. But for, I think you're right. For a good number of folks who are in that part of the party, they didn't vote Republican before Trump. Right. And they probably won't vote Republican again after Trump. I, I think that some of them are people who will vote for whoever the Republican candidate is. But I don't think you win the primary that way, Kelly. You know, you, you you've got to make your case against the guy who's in front mm-hmm. uh, or else you're going to be behind that person the entire time. That's right. And I have no interest in coming in second here. Um, I, I want to win. So if you're elected president, what is our, as citizens, what should be the number one thing we are worried about at the top of your list as president? Melojo, my production company, is such a small business, so when we hire someone, it makes a huge impact. And Albert, I know you wear so many hats over there, you might not have the time or the resources to hire, but LinkedIn changes all of that. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. So, Albert, the next time we're hiring, if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. We got Roz. 
so we know it works. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash off camera. That's linkedin.com slash off camera to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You know, Jan, the weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. <laughs> if you've been waiting to update your wardrobe for a long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. Build up a lineup of timeless pieces that keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. I've been telling you about Quince for a while now, and I plan to keep telling you until you get the message. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to you. I just took a few of their cover-ups on vacation, which were the perfect easy breezy looks to wear. And right now they have these tank dresses that are in the cart, ready to check out. Go look on their website. These tank dresses are effortlessly chic. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash off camera for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash off camera to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash off camera. Albert, I know you're too busy to be frizzy. So grab Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's a light weight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I'm loving it because it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching my bone dry hair with intense hydration. And during the summer, that's something we could all use. You'll also be way obsessed with Waze bestsellers like I am. My new favorite is their scalp and body scrub. It's a blend of sugar and coconut oil that cleanses, exfoliates, and moisturizes all at once on your scalp and your skin. I'm also really into their Wave Spray for this summer. It's a weightless, salt-free mist that gives you that just out of the ocean and my hair dried perfectly look. You know, like that look that is so unattainable. <laughs> it doesn't make my hair crunchy at all. And it's super easy to use. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code off camera for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com promo code off camera. So if you're elected president, what is our, as citizens, what should be the number one thing we are worried about at the top of your list as president? I think we have to restore law and order in this country at every level. From the violent crime that's happening in our streets of so many of our cities to political folks who are acting like Donald Trump as if once you get elected to office, you can do anything you want to do and everybody in between. And I think we're seeing so much breakdown in our society right now because we don't have people following the law and the people who are supposed to impose order, whether it's parents or police um, or or other security folks, they're all being diminished. And we need to raise those people up again, not only the people in law enforcement, but we're diminishing parents and parents' roles in life. And Republicans are doing that uh, almost as much as Democrats, like they're you know, you got Republicans out there saying they should be able to make decisions about what goes on in people's families. I, I don't think any governor is in a better position than I am to make decisions about my children and their health and what's best for them. And I always thought Republicans were the ones who wanted to stay out of that stuff. But apparently 
There are some Republicans like Ron DeSantis who thinks he knows better than me or you for our children. And let's say, let's leap forward. You're president of the United States. Do you have the power, the ability to sort of get control of your party? Because it seems like nobody has control of the Republican Party right now. Most people listen to a strong president inside their party. The old saying is, you know, the president writes the hymnal and the rest of the party sings in the choir. And that's not going to be universal, especially in today's politics. But I do think, and I found this when I was governor, if you're a strong personality, you have definite views, you're willing to stand up and be counted, you know, most of the people inside your party will follow you. Not all of them, but most of them. And as president, I think that's what would happen here because, you know, you watched me in New Jersey. No one's going to ever have to wonder where I stand on an issue. They may not Mm -hmm. agree with it, but they're not going to have to try to guess as to what I'm thinking. Transparency creates comfort. And a lot of times people in politics don't understand that. You know, I just have watched you for a long time. I feel that you are very much a bipartisan player, and I feel that you are a a centrist. May I call you a centrist? I'm a very practical guy. I mean, look, Mm -hmm. I'm conservative, but I think I'm right of center. I'm practical. Mm -hmm. Um, My job in public office is to try to get things done, Mm -hmm. get things accomplished. You know, you, you see a whole bunch of people who... They only want to live on those far extremes and don't understand that in a country like this, you need to bring people together. And, you know, look, that's what I did in New Jersey. And I, you you know, uh, how many Democrats worked incredibly closely with me. And the reason they did is because they knew they could trust me. If I gave my word on something, I would do it. And I think we don't have that anymore at all either. And, you know, then it just makes the system even worse. So if it comes like if it comes down to it, for whatever reason, you're not the Republican nominee. And again, I don't like I'm one of these people. I don't pay attention to polls. I mean, I voted for Hillary. So and, you know, Hillary voters on the exit polls were very comfortable when everybody started counting the votes. You know, they were. Um, So if you're not the nominee, who do you like as the nominee? Let's just take yourself out of it. Well, you know, I have respect for most of the people that I'm on the stage with right now. So like Doug Burgum, the governor of North Dakota, and I don't think Doug has any real chance to win. But if Doug were the nominee, he's a really good governor, smart guy, built his own business and then went and became governor for two terms. Really good guy. I like Nikki Haley. We've always gotten along really well. We were governors together for all but one year of my entire term. She was governor of South Carolina. I like her a lot. Um, I like Tim Scott a great deal. And I think he'd be, you know, he'd be a good leader. And even though I think Mike Pence messed himself up being with Trump and hasn't fully recovered from that, I know from watching him when he was governor of Indiana that this is a guy with a good heart. And I believe Mike's got a good heart. So I'd prefer any of those guys to, you know, uh, certainly to Trump and and to Biden as well. But if it came down to... I can't believe I'm going to say this. Let's say it's Trump versus Biden. Who are you, Chris Christie, casting your vote for? I'm not voting. You're not voting? No. You're not voting? I'll vote down ticket, but I won't vote for president. You would not vote for Joe Biden? I can't. You can't? No. What has Joe Biden done that you find so aggrieving that he wouldn't win over your vote? Gotten really, really old. 
He's too old for the job, Kelly. He can barely walk to the podium. He can has a tough time putting four or five sentences together in a row that makes sense. He has a hard time remembering things. I mean, look, Father Time is undefeated. It just grabs us all at different times and in different ways. And I've known him for 40 years. I met him when I was a student at the University of Delaware. And so I've known Joe Biden since the mid-1980s. And he used to be a powerfully articulate guy who could really give a speech and really make an argument. He's past his sell-by date. But don't you think he gets a lot done? I mean, he's very much like you were in New Jersey. He gets a lot of bipartisan support. He gets a lot done. I feel like he's gotten more done in his administration than certainly that I can recall in my lifetime as a voter. Yeah, no, look, some of the stuff he's done I don't like. So that's part of the problem. What don't you like? Look, the whole Inflation Reduction Act thing, all the spending, I think, has been out of control. Yeah, come on. Nobody spent more than Donald Trump. Nobody spent more. By the way, and I said that in the debate on Wednesday night, as you know, Mm -hmm. that but Joe Biden's going to pass him. Joe's jealous. Trump added a little over $7 trillion to the national debt, the worst performance of any president in four years. And Biden's at $5 trillion right now and counting. So it's a horse race. Well, who's going to add more to the debt? Think I about mean, this, Kelly. We're going to have somewhere around $35 trillion in debt in this country. And Joe Biden and Donald Trump will have accounted for more than a third of it themselves. But Donald in, in the Trump, whole history of the but country. Donald Trump's outspent because he had four years. We're do we're like right now. Joe Biden is at what half of what Trump? No, he's at five trillion. Trump was at a seven and a half trillion. Biden's going to catch him, Kelly. You watch. He's got another. We'll see. He's got another budget and a half to go. I bet you he catches him. Um, but but nonetheless, like, look, I I, I understand your argument about. I, the thing that he's done that I mm-hmm. there's two things he's done that I agree with. One was the infrastructure bill. Um, and I think that was a smart and good thing to do and overdue for our country. And secondly, he's been much better on Ukraine than either Trump or, or Obama were. So I give him credit for both of those things. Um, but I, but you can't get away from it. I know it's an uncomfortable topic, but when we watch him on television, is that the guy who we think is the best person we could put forward to negotiate with the Chinese, to negotiate with the Iranians, to negotiate with uh, the rest of the folks in Europe, and our European allies? I-, I just don't see it, and I don't think he's got it anymore. And I will tell you this. If I were his son and I weren't making money off my father's name, what I would do is go to him and say, Dad, you did a great thing for the country. You beat Donald Trump. You took the presidency away from him. But it's time to go home. Time to go to the beach at Rehoboth Beach and enjoy the rest of your life. You've earned it. When did it occur to you that Donald Trump was a dangerous political figure? Election night 2020, when he came out into the East Room of the White House behind the seal of the president and said the election was stolen when he had no factual basis to make that claim, and he's done it for two and a half years since. But that night, I said to my, I, I was sitting on the set at ABC, Kelly, and I, while the speech was going on, and I turned to George Stephanopoulos and I said, come to me right after the speech. And he said, why? And I said, I won't disappoint you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he came to me and I, I just leveled Trump and said, this is it. I can't help him any longer when you're willing to undercut. Because let's face it, a lot of Americans were sitting out there listening to that speech and they thought, well, he's the president of the United States. He must know something we don't know. When, in well, fact, he knew nothing that we didn't know. If you go back in time, though, in 2016, before the election, before the ballots were cast, he preemptively said the election was rigged because no I think he assumed he was going to lose. So he preemptively said it was stolen. And leading up to the 2020 election, he said that it was rigged. So that's kind of like his go to. And I get that. And I think the difference for me was that when you're saying that stuff before an election, you're not impugning the results of it. You're saying, I think this is what will happen. It's speculation. And I, I got to say the truth. I never thought he would actually follow through to the extent that he has to continue to insist it was stolen when he's lost 60 court cases on it and has no evidence that he was. So to me, Kelly, I, I don't even know whether that was intellectual decision or an emotional one or both. But when I saw him standing behind the seal of the president in the East Room and saying those things, I thought this is the most disgraceful thing I've ever seen a president do in public. Hmm. And I just said, that's it. I'm done. Um, So what's interesting to me is that, you know, you knew him before. I knew him before. You know, because I remember when he was an entertainer. What do you think has changed? Or do you think that's who he always was and somehow he made it to the highest office in the land and the world? I think it's yes to both. Mm. I think there were always these elements of him inside of him Mm -hmm. that for whatever reason he was able to control most of the time. But I think when he became president, the power was so intoxicating to him. The attention was so intoxicating to him that any of those guardrails that he used to keep on those emotions inside of him, he just took off mm-hmm. and let everything come out of his mouth that was going through his brain. Mm-hmm. And and I think that, that you know, I, I've known every president personally since Bush 41. And I would say about all of them, about uh, President Bush 41, President Clinton, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, that they were made better people by the presidency. It humbled them. It made them understand their limits. It helped them to to become aspirational in other ways. He's the only person of the presidents I've known where the presidency made him a worse person. And he is a worse person today than he ever was before. And I believe it was the power that was given to him and how he how the media responded to him and how the public responded to him. He just doesn't know any other way to go. And he's just going to keep doing it. I'll tell you, I'll tell you where I was when it was announced to the press, the public that uh, Donald Trump had COVID. It was my 50th birthday. So I was sat at home watching this breaking news across the television. And you, I believe, you got COVID from him, don't oh, you? Oh, I definitely did. Yes, you definitely yeah. did. Okay. Yep. So tell me about that conversation that you had with him because you were hospitalized. <laughs> you got very, very sick from it. Yeah, I was in the ICU for seven days. Um, and he called me on day two of my time in the ICU. And he was still at Walter Reed Hospital. 
He was mm-hmm. still in the hospital. It sounded pretty bad. And um, he said to me, so look, let me just ask you a question. You're not going to um, tell the press I gave it to you, are you? Mm. And I said, well, I don't know who gave it to me, Mr. President. So I wouldn't blame it on anybody. I said, I don't know who patient zero was because there were seven of us in the room counting him doing debate prep. Six of us got sick. Mm-hmm. So I said, I don't know who patient zero was, but it doesn't really matter. I'm sick. I just want to focus on getting better. And he said, yeah, no, no, I know. I agree with you. But so you're not going to say that, right? And I said, no, I wouldn't say anything that wasn't true. He got off the phone right after that, Kelly. He could have cared less how I felt. Uh-huh. He wanted to know that I was going to dime him out to the press. And the reason he was concerned about it, I couldn't understand it at the time. But the reason he was concerned about it was because we found out over a year later when Mark Meadows' book came out that he had tested positive that morning, Saturday morning, the first morning of debate prep. Uh-huh. He tested positive. We all tested negative or we couldn't have gotten in the West Wing. Uh-huh. And he told us not to put masks on. And he knew he had COVID. He knew. Tell me about the New Jersey in you in that moment. Like, what? Uh, if you, were uh, you grateful that you were hospitalized in a bed? Because I think my instinct would be like, are you out of your mind? Don't you care that I could be dying? Yeah, no, it was pretty clear to me after the phone call that he didn't care. Mm. Um, Is that what flipped in your mind? Was that the that was the flipping well, moment? No, like at that moment, like I just felt like it was a pretty callous thing to be talking about when we were both that sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tried to discount it by saying, well, he's in the middle of a presidential campaign. So I guess you can never stop thinking about that. My anger came, Kelly, when the book came out. The book didn't come out for 12 to 15 months later. Right. And when he said that he tested positive that morning, and not only didn't he tell us, but Mark Meadows, his chief of staff, didn't Mark tell us. Mark Meadows didn't say a word. And somebody should have said something. To all of us. And let us decide. Because remember, at that time, no treatments, no vaccine, nothing. Like, you were at the whim of God. Yeah, no, I, you were I, live or die. I remember. I remember it well. It was a devastating time. Um, okay. So uh, very quickly, before we get to the game, confirm or deny your ringtone on your cell phone is the Imperial March from Star Wars for Donald Trump. Confirm or deny. I know what I'm buying my mom, friends, for Mother's Day. Fiori joggers. Jan is obsessed. My stylist, Audrey, is obsessed. So I know they're a sure hit. And if any one of my family or friends are listening to this podcast, hint, hint, these would be a great gift for me. They're designed with their dream knit stretch fabric, which I love because they're so ridiculously comfortable, but yet look so good. By the way, they're not just for women. I'm ordering them right now for Mark because Father's Day is right around the corner. No matter how you stay active, running, swimming, yoga, or just running weekend errands, Viore is for you. Viore is offering Let's Talk Off Camera with Kelly Ripper listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash off camera. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash off camera. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash off camera and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Look, I know you know that I know that you know how busy we all get. 
Ollie can help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four years and up. And the new Ollie Brainy Chews support healthy brain function with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Okay, confirm or deny, your ringtone on your cell phone is the Imperial March from Star Wars for Donald Trump. Confirm or deny? Deny. Come on. (laughs) Deny. It is for somebody else, but not for him. Come on. It is. It was it not for him. Was it at any time for Donald Trump? No, I never had a ringtone for him. Come on. Not true. Come on. Look, hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you. (laughs) What's he what's he in your phone under? Donald Trump. Donald Trump? (laughs) Here, look. Okay. I see. Wait, did he call you recently? No, that's just in the list of names. Oh, in the list of names. Okay, so so when's what's the last conversation you had with him? First Sunday of December in 2020, oh. he he called me because I had said on ABC that Sunday that his legal team was a national embarrassment. <laughs> and he called me in the car on the way back to Jersey to yell at me about it. And he said to me, why do you say things like that? I said, because they're true. And he started laughing. He goes, yeah, you are true. They're pretty bad. I mean, I I know. Albert is like beside himself. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're just going to end this with a quick game. Okay. And this game is for all the marbles. This game decides whether or not you will be the Republican nominee for president. (laughs) I am. I'm I'm, going to sit up a little bit taller. Okay. Sit up. Ready to go. Mm -hmm. So you're a big Bruce Springsteen fan, as we've already covered. You've been to (laughs) over 150 concerts. Is that true? Yes. 153. Wow. Rumor has it that you know every lyric. So we're going to put you to a deep cut lyric challenge. All right. Let's see if I can do this. This is is from Drive All Night. I'm not going to sing because I have one of the worst voices. I'm going to speak the lyrics. Okay. I swear I drive all night again just to... Buy you some shoes. Very good. And to taste your. Your tender kiss. Tender charm. Oh, tender charm. Oh, tender charm. Okay. Right. Right. Albert was hooting. He threw you off. Close. Okay. From racing in the street. From racing in the street. Yeah. Tonight, tonight, the strips. Just right. We're going to blow them off in our first heat. And the time is right, baby, for racing in the streets. <laughs> wow, he gets bonus points. He gets oh, all the marbles. Points. He gets all the marbles. Uh, Governor Christie, thank you so much for spending time with us. I know that you are uh, very busy. You have bigger fish to fry. Uh, good luck Definitely on the campaign not. trail. Thank Kelly, you so much. thank you for having me. It's great to see you. And maybe, you know, we could see each other in the Bahamas again. That would be amazing. And How about if-, if I fly you, you and Mark there on Air Force One? That, 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 okay, okay. that is that's a deal. That's a deal. And uh, and uh, make sure you don't forget um, if you are elected president, I'm sure this will be your first podcast stop on oh, your we'll post. Oh, will have to be. Okay, perfect. <laughs> listen, listen, absolutely. Screw meet the press. I'm on with you. You can do meet the press and then do this. You could do this from the car. 
<laughs> I want to do you first, though, Kelly. I don't okay, want to do you first. first. You want to be able to say the first exclusive interview with the new president wow. of the United Perfect. States. Perfect. Thank you very much. Right wow. Thank you. Jersey sticks together, Kelly. You got it. That's Thank right. you and so much. I love the T-shirt. Great Thank choice. you so much. Say Thank hi to you. Joe Rippa. Yes, yeah, say hi to Joe Rippa if you see my dad wandering <laughs> Absolutely. around. Absolutely. Okay, thanks so much, Governor Christie. Take care. It's great to talk to you, Kelly. Great to talk to you, too. Chris Christie, ladies and gentlemen. Well, what did you think of that, guys? Wow. I mean, I can't. First of all, you should host every debate. That's what I think. <laughs> I, I don't have the temperament. I, you I don't, should host you're every all up. debate. I, I don't have the temperament. Uh, this would be me hosting a debate. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I don't Governor, know. Governor, go ahead. I, I, after that, I think you should host every debate. Every political party, every everything. You know, I just, uh, I have a soft spot for my um, hometown governor. My gosh. Yeah, I mean, that was epic. I can't believe he wouldn't vote, though. That, that kind of, bothers me. That was the one thing that I'm like really stuck on. I'm stuck on it too. Also, it's like Joe Biden, he gets a lot of shit done and he doesn't get the credit for it. And it's because he's not out there like tooting his own horn. He's just getting shit done. By not voting for Joe, you're helping Trump. So if he really believes what he believes about Trump, by not voting for Biden, you're helping Trump. Right. Yeah, that's correct. Yes. Um, yeah, so if you like that podcast, and I suspect you did, you'll tell all your friends. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode of Let's Talk Off Camera. Bye, everyone. Let's Talk Off Camera with Kelly Ripa is a co-production of Melojo Productions and PRX Productions with help from Goat Rodeo. Our theme song is Follow Me from APM Music. From Melojo, our team is Kelly Ripa, Mark Consuelos, Albert Bianchini, Jan Chalet, Devin Schneider, Michael Halpern, Jacob Small, Roz Therian, Seth Gronquist, and Julia Desch. From PRX Productions, our team is Kara Schillen, Genevieve Sponsler, Megan Nadolsky, Isabel Kirby McGowan, Edwin Ochoa. Additional sound design by Terrence Bernardo. The executive producer of PRX Productions is Jocelyn Gonzalez. This show is powered by Stitcher. From PRX. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 